millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Extreme Rules Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that just happened at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, pay-per-views, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a Roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. Chat as I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review Extreme Rules. What did you make of it all? I don't know. I'm going to shoehorn my cheap plug in now, if I may. I've just published the ups and downs for this pay-per-view, available at whatculture.com forward slash WWE, if you'd like to read it. I won't spoil the exact number, because I know some people get a kick out of that, but the ups have quite substantially outweigh the downs and yet i know what show i watched yes and i know i wrote those words and i know i tabulated those numbers and i still can't figure it out so if anything i think i'm hoping to use this podcast as a way to try and make sense of it this was so far from one of those podcasts that we start recording and a lot of them were in 2020s they were in whispered tones through uh laptop windows Mm. and zoom calls where we would just sort of look at each other incredulously being like, where the f*** do we even start with this? Lots of this was a broadly traditional WWE pay-per-view. It doesn't, it doesn't feel anywhere close to the horror show. Mm-hmm. Um, by that, I mean, last year's Extreme Rules, not just WWE's entire 2020 output. I thought you compared it to Crown Jewels. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I really don't know. Lots of this stunk. And yet, I certainly didn't come away thinking it was like an all-time worst. No, it's... It, I- so I'm trying to unpick what was so great about it that... Give me the good vibes. I think it's one of those shows where, yet again, doing the live stream for me and Phil, it's completely skewed our perspective on it. And you came on that with us as well. And we had a great time. And it's one of those where we probably didn't have a great time as a result of the pay-per-view, <laughs> but we did alongside it. There was some good stuff in this mm, show, without yeah. question. We're not going to go and bury the whole thing. But there is nothing that I'm going to wake up to. There is one thing I'm going to wake up tomorrow and think, I need to rewatch that. And it's on Phil Chambers' Twitter because <laughs> it's Seamus stood on the top rope. I know this is an audio podcast, but if you've seen the show, you'll know what I mean doing this. <laughs> sort of half DX crotch chop, half Jeff Hardy, you know. He can see the right not a while. <laughs> yeah, it was 
spectacular, that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get it, get to it when we get to the main event because mm. I really enjoyed that main event right up until the bit where it concluded. Yeah, we're going to disagree quite a bit on that. I'm, I'm into it. Yeah, okay, mm. right. Well, let's start at the beginning of the show. Let's start on the kickoff, mm. the pre-show, where Liv Morgan and Carmella got shunted to. Bit unfair, this, I thought. Horribly so. Um, they would be totally justified for feeling completely demoralised after this demotion. Um, and yet, the match, wrestling's a funny old thing, the match, in a sense, seemed to exist in order for them to uh, you know, prove WWE wrong. And it just makes you feel sorry for them because they did. And is it going to really matter? This feud barely had any juice in the first place, but they had been given a pay-per-view match. And like not before time for the pair of them. They're both underrated in their own very different but very important ways on a division that's been lifeless for too long. And this was tremendous. They worked a style that I think a lot of people have assumed no longer lands with a live audience. But And credit to this crowd, by the way, because they were up for everything. A really great live crowd in Columbus, Ohio. I'm sure they were just buzzing to get to see the hometown hero win the big one, and we'll come to that. (laughs) But like... Really, really great live audience. It's Sometimes fans get a bad rap, and I love to put over the really good crowds when they genuinely contribute something to the show, and these were full of positivity. Carmella was given this awful promo to cut because women are only permitted to care about belts or looks. I'm hot, and you're not. Yeah, that exact line. Um, awful, I'm sorry. I, I never normally get to do this bit that Cedric does, but like... I'm recycling my own Twitter part here. I don't have the mega fans to apologise to, but just in case anyone has happened to follow me on Twitter <laughs> or seen it on the hashtag. Um... Old dude scripting young woman dialogue is minging. But across the body of the match, Carmella used that to trash talk Liv Morgan in such an unbelievably effective way that the fans exploded for Liv Morgan's comeback. She hit a Thez press that you would think it was Steve Austin delivering it himself. <laughs> yeah. Followed by this wicked stomp, an insiguri that just absolutely popped off. And then you're into teasing the nose stuff, which after abandoning on SmackDown, they brought back in the video package. And it just totally, totally worked. And Liv Morgan got the win. And it wasn't just, we're building up for the pops, we're building up the pops, and then we're going to do what we always do and take it away from you. Like, they actually gave the people what they wanted in the form of Liv Morgan getting the victory. This was super well worked, super heated by the end. And I felt as if the fans were fighting for them. And that's obviously with credit to the wrestlers too. They didn't deserve it. This show, this show was, and we were grateful for this, this show was so lean that you didn't necessarily need to shunt this to get what we got in the hot opener. Yeah. Probably could have just had both. Um, So these two bore the brunt of that, but they're totally, like, I like to think that, like, somebody felt a pin, like, uh, a slight tinge of regret in, like, backstage. I'm sure they didn't, but it'd be nice to think that somebody thought, oh, we should have actually left them on the card. Yeah. Done a little bit dirty there. Eight-minute match, you could have easily popped this on the main card, Mm. even if you had to trim a couple of minutes off another match, because... Yeah, I, I wouldn't have had an issue with it. And like you say, the reaction that Liv Morgan got. I mean, I don't know what they need to hear more for Liv know, Morgan yeah, to, to recognise what they've got. But anyway, let's talk about that opener because it wasn't on the cards until uh, half an hour into the kickoff show because we saw the New Day arriving in the midst of an AJ Styles and an Omos interview uh, in flies Bobby Lashley to be <laughs> what big brawl breaks out and they set up the trios match. There's no Sidgwick here to tell me. <laughs> off. The trios match, the New Day uh, versus the unorthodox team of Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles and Omos. Question is, I suppose, can they coexist? <laughs> and Bobby Lashley, 
what a rehabilitation he's had considering he lost the title. I mean, we've obviously got, and we'll talk about this on the Raw preview later on today, myself and Michael Sidgwick, the Bobby Lashley biggie title match tonight on Raw that they set up throughout this show. But you talked about this before, when they really care about someone, if they drop the title, they make sure you recognize, yeah, he might not be champion anymore, but he can still mess dudes up. And it felt like the Bobby Lashley show this, along with Big E, who just looked great as WWE champion throughout this. Yeah, so this obviously, as we would learn throughout the show, and we knew anyway, I guess, but certainly as it was overt by the end of the pay-per-view, this all existed as a sales pitch for Monday Night Raw. We've kind of acknowledged on other podcasts that the paradigm has absolutely shifted. And we need to get away, if I'm not ready, from the mindset of thinking, well, you have to save this for this pay-per-view. Um, television is the kingmaker now. It was as of those monster deals in 2018, and it is for both WWE and AEW now in the USA. That's how it works. So you ideally want both. You want these big shows, these Sunday shows, to have something massive on, but they now should exist to promote Raw as much as Raw exists to promote, you know, Extreme Rules, Money in the Bank, whatever it is. One's got to look after the other. So this match was there for that. It was there to, I guess, be one long inciting incident after the backstage brawl between the two teams. It was super effective of that. It was really, really good at showing you something that you knew you were only getting a taste of and you were going to get a little bit more because that rematch was inevitable, wasn't it? There was the discussion of, are they going to do that in Saudi Arabia instead and put a pause on the Goldberg thing? And now it appears, no. This will happen on Raw. Biggie will conclude his business with Bobby Lashley, and then that frees up Lashley for good. But I'm speculating, but that's yeah, kind yeah, of how yeah. I assume it will go. Um, so you got the uh, thinnest of interactions between the two as a result. You got these teases of these very big moments, and it certainly felt like all the energy was in Biggie and Bobby Lashley coming to blows. But this match was really well agented to keep those as like short, sharp shocks for the night, because you've got to have the whole thing Mm. tomorrow, you know. Um, Loved how the uh, finish was ever so slightly broken up by the, you know, the AJ hot tag. They were just about to really come together, and then AJ slaps the back, and it just takes the wind out of Lashley's sails in a way that he didn't expect. Um, You've sort of pointed out that they have worked hard to rehabilitate him as somebody that knows that he could have had Big E had he been fully fit, had he not damaged his knee, but he's got to He's got to just take that one. He's got to eat that and crack back on. And I don't think at any other point in this match was he presented like a loser, like a guy that was a fool for the way he lost his uh, lost his belt in the first place. He was dangerous. He was physical. And I thought the rest of this match was arranged so perfectly around those two as well. They worked two hot tags in, one for Kofi, one for Xavier Woods, which allowed you to ramp the heat all the way up for Big E, getting the, the biggest one, the yeah. one that mattered. But the other two were super effective. Woods... Always makes the most of these matches. Always. Like, I, I think he really likes working pay-per-views because he constantly sticks out as one of the best out-and-out individual performers on a pay-per-view. Um, the Omos spots, when they're done well, are brilliant. Kobe flying into Slapping him. Slapping Kofi out the sky was just absolutely inspired. Um, I couldn't find fault with this at all. It went long and didn't feel it. And how often you say that about a, like a WWE match that you've seen the bulk of the pairings of now, like almost never. Um, so it felt like a rule-proven exception in that, in that regard. There is a real, and I don't want to, you know, we're not the types to put ourselves over on these podcasts. Well, I can't even do that without I mean, I am. giggling first anymore. But did we not say at the time, Separate the new day across the brands because it's only going to make it more magic yes. when they come back together. And 
here's your hard evidence. Two matches in seven days that have absolutely ruled because you haven't even needed to take them apart from a year. You've just taken them apart long enough that people adore it. When they were on the stage together at WrestleMania, yes. and got one of the biggest pops of the night. Inspired decision to keep them on separate shows for nights like this and nights like Monday Night Raw. This was a banger of an opener. This is going to sound like a massive backhanded compliment, but this felt like a Raw main event, which... What I mean by that is <laughs> not just, oh, just all these three lads together. It's like we're going to build all the way through the show to this mm. and we're going to give them as much time as they need. It went nearly 20 minutes, this. It yeah. flew by. Like you say, me and uh, Phil were sat there looking at the stream, looking at our watch after the match, not during it. We had no time to do that. And we're like, oh, God, it's half an hour's gone on this show already. It just, like you say, it was just the work of, of Xavier, of Kofi, the way they interacted with Omos, AJ Styles. Stars, you mean? Mm. And I just want a quick word on that that tag that we got. I hate it when someone's setting up for a big spear or whatever their big finisher is, and someone backslaps them, and then there's this big kerfuffle. What, what are you doing? Blah, 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 all that sort of thing. Bobby Lashley just got out of the ring as AJ Styles like, watch this, I'm in a phenomenal forearm. And went, I don't know what exactly he said, but basically went, you better kill him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Fine, you want to tag me, tag out. Mm. I'm not that bothered. But you better finish him. Mm -hmm. Didn't. Lashley comes flying in. He slaps himself in. Goes to spear him. Biggie moves out of the way. Spears AJ Styles. Turns around. Big ending. Huge bap. One, two, three. Biggie pins Bobby Lashley. And then we get the furious Bobby Lashley promo. And Biggie selling the WWE scripting as only he really can to set up the WWE Championship match on Raw tonight. That was followed, of course, uh, by the SmackDown Tag Team Titles match. It was the Usos defending against the Street Profits. Look, I love these two teams working together, but you knew the result of this match the moment Montez Ford came out with the taped-up ribs. You did, and yet... I, based on the first three matches, I'm starting to remember why I really quite liked a lot of this show. Just, it was more a one end than the other, I mm -hmm. think. Um, I, I love this match. There was a, and I don't know if you would have had the chance to see this, because you guys probably would have been setting up the stream. It's on the kickoff, I think. There was a, a brief um, shot in a cut of the Street Profits arriving. It's quite a serious promo. Super serious. And Ford's deal was... Um, Something along the lines of, all I need to know is that the only thing that you will accept tonight is to defeat the Usos. Like, not just because we want the belts, but because of what happened to me on SmackDown. Like, I, I cannot accept disrespect on that on that scale. And Dawkins is like, yep, yep. Like, I'm double, treble, ultra-focused. I'm here for you. Um, the, the goal of them to go for you when they knew that I was at, this friend's wedding mm -hmm. on Friday, which is like a, a weird, strange detail that we now know loads about. But I appreciate it all the same mm. because it's always this thing I've banged on about, about that like Roman's a real when he wants to be. And that's all like that attack on Friday was all done knowing that Montez Ford didn't have his mate there and didn't have his pal. So the Usos and Roman have been extra cruel. They've picked that moment specifically because they could. Um, so this, like Ford was so great in this promo that a little bit of you was thinking, at what point is he going to hold it against Angelo Dawkins that he wasn't there for him on Friday? And I thought they played with that magnificently in the match. At no point, I'm watching this, and I'm the same as you. I'm thinking, well, the Usos are going to retain. Uh, Ford's got the ribs taped. It, something is going to go horribly wrong for him, and it's going to ultimately be the undoing of the of 
street profits in this match. And it's probably the point at which the knees go up off the frog splash because he's in, it's a great spot for injured ribs. He's in absolute agony. But if you go back and watch that match back, there are three or four times where Montez Ford does a Montez Ford thing, which is to say he's just one of the hottest guys on SmackDown at the moment. And he's just giving his body to this, like, cause of... Flipped over the turnbuckle, for example. Yeah, like, the cause of winning the tag belts when he physically shouldn't and really, like, can't. And he's doing it anyway. He's fighting through that pain barrier. If you watch what Angelo Dawkins is cast as, he is always there to try and save. He shows guts. He shows unwavering loyalty to Montez Ford. And there's this lovely... Again, if you've had it in your mind that, like, is there a bit of awkwardness here that, like... As much as, like, it's not Dawkins' fault that he got brutalised, it probably wouldn't have happened if he was there. And I thought they played with that brilliantly as well. And it was just a virtuoso display from the Usos. When they're on, there's not that many teams, and I include the best division on the other channel, that I think are as good as the Usos when mm. they're really in the mood for it. They are still... They're still that team that, like, everybody f- fell in love with all over again when they turned heel in 2016 and just were like rubbing their eyes cartoonishly in that feud with the New Day in 2017. <laughs> it, it sometimes goes a little bit amdram with the Roman Reigns stuff, but it wasn't that here. It was just bi- like basic defeat this team that are slightly fragile, slightly weakened and emotionally a bit fraught, and they did it. They unpicked them. It was it was devastating in a small way. I shouldn't care about one of several now Uso Street Profits matches and the idea that you know, the Street Profits, oh no, they've not won the tag belts, as if they won't just like win them again some other time. But I really cared. I didn't want the Street Profits to fall apart and I wanted them to somehow figure it out and beat them. And at no point would I have predicted that in the week. They, like this hugely over-delivered for me, this match. Mm. It wasn't, I don't think it was as good as the opener, um, but it was a massive, massive over-delivery. I think, I think the Street Profits stuff slash the continuing trajectory of Montez Ford is going to be one of the most interesting stories um, over the next six months. And I'm starting to question if they're going to split them in the draft, which I wouldn't have said mm. 24 hours ago, let alone when the draft was first announced. Yeah, I love that spot as well. You mentioned the bit where he went for this frog splash and one of the Usos gets the knees up. And then there's later on in the match, having them target the ribs, the knees up, the bit where uh, he goes up top and uh, Dawkins gets knocked into the ropes and he doesn't crotch himself. He lands ribs first mm. on the top rope and starts selling that as well. He eventually does hit the frog splash. But in the process of doing so, he can't come anywhere near to cover him. And that plays into the finish in the end. The Usos double super kick him uh, and get the pinfall victory, retain the titles. Yeah, just a great match. And like you say, a a very straightforward story that we've seen told a lot of times. But I think Montez Ford is is a star. And I don't want him to be separated from from Angelo Dawkins because I do want to see them do more tag team stuff. But... You know, there is going to come a point where he is going to have to break out from this tag team. And, uh, yeah, it seems fast approaching. Right, let's talk the Raw Women's Championship match. Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss. Um, I don't know what to make of this because in the match, I got to watch Charlotte Flair versus Alexa Bliss with all the Spooky doll nonsense put to one side, and yet it came flying back in for the finish, and especially for the post-match. Yeah, this was... You can't really talk about one thing without the other, but just because it was both, it doesn't mean that you can't find the good in the stuff you like. And I know some people like the Lily stuff, I think, as well. Like, some people are not complete creeps, I mean. Some people 
like this doll stuff. And if, you know, I would imagine if for the people that like the doll stuff, this match was probably the match of the night because I like the wrestling stuff and the, I thought the wrestling was of a good standard here. I thought the story of Charlotte, we've got this complaint about Charlotte and it wasn't addressed here. It's never addressed. Is she here? Is she a baby face? Who the f- knows? Who will ever know? And that massively impacts the the tone of when she's on offense. Is it that she's just so far beyond everybody else that her arrogance is to be expected? And if this one doesn't beat you, the next one will because she's just that far in front. Or is it that she's an arrogant idiot and she needs to be brought down a peg or two as a heel? Meanwhile, she's off against Alexa Bliss, who I think ostensibly has been cast as the babyface in this feud, but a babyface who relies on, you know, the dark arts mm. or a haunted doll. That's a really hard sell as a good guy. So the dynamics, as they've been with pretty much all of Charlotte's matches this year, are just all over the map. However, this was where I joined you and Phil to watch in the stream, and I got that experience that you've described before. Like, the sound is down a little bit. There are a couple of other things to concentrate on. In this case, I was being fed wrestling cards, and I felt like I was eight years old again going through. <laughs> got, 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 got need. Um... So it becomes more of a, um, not sterile experience, but you're very much just seeing the moves and you're, I was judging the execution a little bit more and everything was executed pretty well. And I was enjoying catching things like Charlotte doing that secondary moonsault that yeah. Alexa Bliss used to do. And all this idea that Charlotte is trying to needle the wrestler out of Alexa Bliss because that's who she wants. And I think we got her. I thought this match was really building to something. Um and there was just for the first point an element of suspense around who might win. And then Charlotte grabs the doll. Now, again, played out live. Did Charlotte go to that out of desperation and betray her original plan to just wrestle Alexa? Or was it always this idea, like, I'm a spider, I'm going to lure you into my web, and then Lily? I, I honestly couldn't tell, and I would have happily welcome any of our listeners to say if they thought that this was like a, a calculated scheme from Charlotte or just a panic, I know what I'll do. I'll grab the doll. She's not going down as easy as I would have liked. But we got what we got. Um, and then we got so, so, so much more, way too much more of stuff I never want to see again. Yeah, so the finish saw uh, Charlotte Flair, like you say, going into Alexis' corner to grab and throw, throw the uh, Alexa Bliss. Uh, thus distracting her. Uh, big boot, natural selection. One, two, three. Post-match, there's a big brawl, and Charlotte beats Alexa Bliss up again. You thought Alexa Bliss was going to fire up, you know, the hometown hero that she is. No, Charlotte Flair beat her up again, strategically threw her under the announce desk and stormed off, taunting the fans. Then Alexa Bliss recovered and uh, realised that in the midst of all this, Charlotte Flair has torn Lily to pieces, ripped the stuffing out of her. She is... Just a casing, just left flimsily, just draped about the ring. Alexa Bliss is devastated. She is furious. She is sort of foaming at the mouth like she's got an Alka-Seltzer in her mouth, which is exactly what it was. Mm. And, yeah, they just dwelt on this for so bloody long. Ages. Like a disgustingly long amount of time. Like, I can only assume there weren't so many camera cuts as we would normally expect because Kevin Dunn was working the desk with one hand. (laughs) Like, uh, that's all I can guess, all I can gather from this. 
and making sure that he couldn't hear footsteps coming into the production truck because he was suddenly asked everybody else to leave so we could have a minute alone with this footage. It was laboured and it was, I would have said it was like, I'd have said it was voyeuristic if anyone felt anything, but nobody did, right? Columbus had wanted to see Alexa Bliss win and it didn't happen and they probably knew that was going to be the case as well. And she doesn't win. And then instead, you've got this long thing that keeps on going. There was a thank you, Lily chant at one point, right? So that, to me, is a tell that this audience would rather just take the piss out of this than try and engage in it. So then you turn to social media, which for so long was the only metric, and find any tweet you want around this. And it's people going, Jesus Christ, is this still going on? What's going on? Why is the camera still staring at her? Alexa Bliss in the meantime, and I try not to put too much... The blame on the performers, and I, I don't, I still don't really know where I land with stuff like this because she was very much acting the entire time. But how long is a reasonable amount of time before anybody would be exposed by that? Take your favorite wrestling actor and point that lens on them without giving them any more directions to do this one thing for that long. Would you still be captivated? Would you still be in awe? Or would you be thinking, please cut to the back, please cut to the back, please cut to the back? It's like those WWE interviews where they always last even a second longer than you want them to and the face has to stay still, like the end credits of an 80s American sitcom where it's freeze frame <laughs> and that's ever so slightly moving. Like, why have we not gone back to the announce desk yet? And it's like, you know, the, the wrestlers said they're cool baby face line and then they've grinned. And then the face just like wobbles because <laughs> the, the camera's still lingering on them. This is happening to Alexa Bliss. She's not doing anything different as you're watching this. She's just crying over this doll, you know, Crying over spilt lil, and <laughs> you know this. And by the way, the visual of the Lily doll with no stuffing in is piss funny. Yeah, like this mask, like what looks like a fiend mask, all of a sudden <laughs> hanging down is really like Charlotte holds it as a trophy. That's in the article. I've got, I've got a nice screenshot of it. It looks really funny. Um, treat yourself to that. So that's less than ideal, as you said about the um, Alka Seltzer. Like you can see this big circular disc on a tongue. Some sort of stage magic, which we assumed was frothing, frothing at the mouth stuff um, that hasn't worked. So instead, she's just looking like the big show when he won the title the first time and dribbling a bit. And then she opens the mouth wider and you see this huge disc on her tongue. <laughs> like, it's just a mess of, like, it's already a misunderstood concept, but it's been poorly filmed, it's been poorly presented. And any thoughts you might have had, of which I tried to get across first, about the positives of the match, are lost to this. They're mm. completely lost to it. They've drowned in it. Um, and I, I've got to sort of assume that this is a move away from this world for Alexa Bliss. Green Arrow, as we might say in another one of our features on the YouTube channel. But a WWE done with spooky nonsense? Red Arrow. <laughs> Very red. And it's an, a very a flash of red rushing downwards, in fact. <laughs> On that later. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's move on rapidly to the spot of the night and uh, one of the highlights of the night for me, the triple threat match, the United States Championship. <laughs> Look, let's get this out of the way. You and I are not professional wrestlers. We will never be professional wrestlers, oh. and we are not laughing at them. There was clearly some either miscommunication or just bad luck in this match. two really big ones. Damien Priest losing his footing when he's trying to reverse the 10 beats of the Baron is the obvious example. (laughs) Um, The Jeff Hardy and Damien Priest attempted, was it Twist of Fate? Oh, God, yeah. Nobody could catch anybody. Everyone's just falling over into the ropes. And you're thinking, oh, my God, this is just awful. Just end this now. And then the guy, our guy, The person we are often sat here at What Culture saying is one of the most underrated wrestlers, if not in WWE, in in the world. Sheamus (laughs) pushes Jeff Hardy off the top rope as he's set up for a swanton bomb. And he could have just stood there and flipped off Damian Priest. Or could have just done his big knee drop. Mm -hmm. But not Sheamus. He didn't do that. This kid knows banter. <laughs> he gets up there and he thinks this all, whole match has gone a bit awry. We all kind of know. I mean, he knew what the result of this match was. We all could probably guess yeah. what the result of this match was. It's a triple threat match on an extreme rules pay-per-view. No extremeness. <laughs> it's extreme rules pay-per-view. had one. Extreme Rules match. A triple threat match right there. They're brawling around ringside doing all that bollocks, right? All you have to do is introduce a chair, mm-hmm. introduce a table, introduce a ladder, introduce a kendo stick. I know you don't want to be treading on the toes of the main event, but you can have some Jeff Hardy and match. Yep. Get involved. But can't have any of that. What can we have instead, though? Tell what we can have. Seamus. Half DX crotch chop, <laughs> half Jeff Hardy. And everything's right in the world again. And Damien Priest eventually rolls him up and, and pins him and blah, blah, blah. And Swan, Jeff Hardy, one more, really, really just goes out. Who cares? <laughs> I'm going to swanton onto both of you. And you're taking the impact of this. Is one of them, was someone's, I think one of them's trying to pin the other one and mm. Jeff Hardy's trying to break up the pin. And instead of, him coming out of nowhere. They literally just shot Jeff Hardy on the top rope for some bloody reason. But regardless, look, it was a bit of a mess, this match. 
But the right result happened, and we had some fun along the way. It felt like a bit of a house show match by the end. It did. And I want to try and add some, uh, like, intermatch analysis to the Sheamus moment. Because I genuinely believe, and I'm not just saying this because we all pissed ourselves watching it, because it was a total popper. Seamus shouldn't shout fella anymore in his pose. He should shout patter <laughs> because he's got bucket loads of it. But I honestly was so taken by Seamus in that moment. I think we all were. That, and I've compared, it, to me, it was a laugh at the funeral because this match had died. Mm. Those botches, and we talk about, we always talk about botches in the context of immersion. Has the botch lifted you out of being able to view this as a work of fiction anymore because you've just been reminded in the most stark fashion that it, it is it is fiction. A botch is fine. Stuff stuff goes wrong. But it's when it happens in a way that you are like, oh, they're cooperating. I'm out. And there's no, it's really hard. I'm get, out. <laughs> I'm out. It's really hard to get back in. Unlike Ray's eye, which apparently was a doddle. Um, this act of silliness by Seamus suddenly made you think, oh, God, I hope he wins. This will be so class now. And they luckily had constructed a couple of near falls because it was building to the big Damien Priest roll-up where, like, Seamus hit that wicked bro kick and you're allowed to just think for a split second, oh, he's going to do this. And because he's just been a pat king on the post, I'm with him. I'm 100% with him. And I cannot stress how important that is because what's the bigger takeaway here? Is that like Damien Priest really is Teflon? We keep talking about the booking. We keep talking about the push hasn't failed. We keep talking about the fact that we had a zombie match and a million John Morrison and the Miz matches. And here he is and still fine. Two glaring, disastrous botches. And the universe has thrown him Seamus pretending to be Jeff Hardy. He, like, there's an angel on his shoulder. Uh, and I uh, like the next thing I think it's going to do is point at a sign to WrestleMania because this was like this was one of those nights that could have stuck with him like well to be honest like an anchor around his neck for a long time and instead we'll have a big old laugh at Seamus and they'll be like what was the actual match again because he's the only one in shot at this point it's not from a long shot where the two of them are in the ring it's just Seamus on the post yeah and by the way like seen an Irish fella standing on that top row, no bother. Watch off, excuse Demon. Exact same corner. Um, maybe that was the one it was. Maybe it wasn't in Hardy Post. He was trying to balance. He was like, why is this so rope, so wobbly? Um, but yeah, that'll be our takeaway from this. And in the meantime, the now, uh, Damien Priest has escaped with no blushes for the United States title. Someone is looking out for him. In this case, it was Seamus, very literally. <laughs> but uh, like, just generally speaking, things don't normally go this well. For WWE people, ever. Often on like the Raw review, for example, we'll sit here and go, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, we've seen this match a million mm. times. I'm desperate to watch uh, to watch Sheamus versus Jeff Hardy again, despite all yeah. the, the numerous matches, all the piss stuff we've had <laughs> from them before. If we, they fight again, there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Sheamus goes back on that top rope. And this time, it's a swanton, isn't it? And this time, it's a Miss Swanton. He's going to do that thing where, like, his NXT diddies, 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 crotch chop, three quarters of the way up. Get Great stuff. Anyway, let's move on and talk about Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. 
I'm going to sound like a broken record here. Bianca Belair does things that defy logic in matches. And not just at the beginning, like 15 minutes in. We all, they always talk about restless cardio and stuff and, you know, people just 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 burning themselves out, gassing themselves out in this. And then like 15 minutes in, she's just like, I'll just pick Becky Lynch up from a oh, yeah. seated position like it's no bother. Becky Lynch sells it brilliantly. What the, how am I up here now? I was just about to break her arm. What's going on? Now, people will complain and say, oh, DQ finish. And I'm going to give them another pass. I gave them a pass at SummerSlam for the 26 seconds match or whatever it was because I was like, I know we say this a lot in tongue-in-cheek, trust the process. Duff, yeah. Because I said at that time, I'll give them till SmackDown, see what they do. They didn't let me down. Potential here because the big story of this match was not the result ended in a DQ, but the reason why it ended in a DQ the return of Sasha Banks. My word, this did this get a reaction from us? Oh, massive. Look, I make it a crucial tenet of my privileged position to be able to do these podcasts with you and write articles and the like and talk about this thing I love. And I will never, ever fake or force a feeling when I'm watching a wrestling match because I still prioritise that over everything else. It's how it's supposed to make you feel. You can think afterwards. And I wanted a finish. I did. And yet, and there's a predictions article on whatculture.com from last weekend. I think I might have tweeted it as it was happening. I was like, well, I don't think we're getting one. I'm not sure how. Maybe they will just go down. Maybe it will be route one and it'll be Sasha Banks runs in and that's what we got. But I, I never thought we were getting a finish because I've just i watched enough WWE to assume that now. Um, and it became entirely judged, and I want to talk about the match in a minute, but it became entirely judged on how I, you, we, whoever, felt about when Sasha was in the ring with him. And I thought it was absolutely electrifying. I was thinking to myself in that moment, well, this division's on fire. Now that's patently bollocks. The only other two women in the program were just shunted to the pre-show. Yeah. Nobody gives a toss. That angle's risible. But the belt suddenly feels important for the first time since Bailey held it, probably. Mm-hmm. Like, not to undermine Sasha's reign, nor for that matter, Sasha versus Bianca at WrestleMania, but in terms of a real money angle, because that angle was rubbish, let's not forget that. The run-up to WrestleMania itself yeah, it was. stunk. Like, nothing's been this good since Bailey and Sasha were heading for Hell in a Cell for that title. The three of them in that ring together felt like major stars. Bianca Belair totally felt on their level. So she's... And like, she had the match won. She had her up for a she, KOD. She had the match won. I think I think she's been made by this, but she could really do with winning it outright, and I'm not sure I'll see that in a near future, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, the three of them visually in the ring, I got bang into a triple threat match, and that's typically not even the best case scenario. You kind of want to drill it into a, a singles match. And I wanted to see the three of them. thought the interplay between Sasha and Becky was like really, really fun. thought Becky's acting in that moment was was tremendous. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Really awkward, coy smile. Like a little bit of me thought she might flash the four fingers for the horsewomen before Sasha just jumped her or whatever. Um, the match I loved. The match I really, really loved. And again, it's probably just because I get an excuse to pat myself on the back. I knew Becky Lynch would be really good at working heel. She was never a babyface because of the work. It was always because of the crowd connection. Yeah. 
she had established this real connection. When she was a heart and sleeve baby face, it was there. When she was the man, it was there on an even grander scale. People just gravitated towards her. And that had to have come from something that she had within her that, like us lay, lay people, just simply cannot see the way that she must look out into the crowd, the way that she must do all those little things. The, you know, the Christian Cage gets credit for it as well. Like, just those things that really pull you in mm. in a way that you don't even realize it's happening to you. You know, the magician never really reveals the secrets in wrestling. She was doing that as a heel in such an effective manner. The work could be a bit more basic, and that's not to be critical. There's nothing wrong with basics. But it was a lot of wearing Bianca down, joying with the audience, showing when it was time to be overconfident and showing when it was time to expose yourself a little bit. Um, and I just thought she measured it perfectly. Really, really loved it. And the proof of the pudding, Bianca's like response and comeback pops were enormous. People were so game to see it. The spots they constructed where Bianca Belair, like she didn't just get that one, as you say, where she squatted up late in the day. She'd already done a bulldog suplex by then, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The, the delayed vertical. Like Becky, there was several points. Pressed her at one point, didn't she? That's right, the press slam off the corner. There were several points in this match where after Becky getting to play the experienced veteran, suddenly, at the drop of a hat, looked terrifyingly out of a depth. Mm. And I just thought that worked so well. Um, I mean, her gear was absolutely resplendent. Totally heard his pop through the office when we were doing the stream. Totally fantastic. Um, understand that sometimes it's a little bit divisive when heels wear white, but I quite like the idea that like they believe themselves to be virtuous. I think back to Seth wearing it against Cena in 2015. Wanted to be the double champion because he just felt he represented the belts better. Mm. Um, I think that's Becky here. And even if not, it's just because white looks class. White always looks great with wrestlers. Mm. Brilliant white. I thought this match ruled. And I thought the post-match was genuinely thrilling. Everyone that hated that finish is completely entitled to it. Yeah. But I would call upon people to think about how they felt. If they felt ripped off, I, I totally get it. And I'm not here to tell you that you're wrong. Um, I personally... Got very excited for the return of somebody I want to watch and the showing to me of what's to come. Yeah, exactly. Three of the nine bees of SmackDown right there. <laughs> Same. Uh, Boogs, big, big. Uh, let's talk about a few others uh, from the bees of SmackDown. <laughs> Specifically, Balor and the leader of the bloodline, Roman Reigns. The main event was an Extreme Rules match. Finally! Mm. The Universal Championship. Uh, Roman Reigns out first. Normally, not a fan of the champ going out first. Really grinds my gears, that. But, when it's the demon, yeah, I give it a bit of a pass. Look, um, it's a game of two halves, or specifically <laughs> a match of everything and then the finish. Yeah. Because that's what everyone's going to be talking about. Look, I get it. Some people, a bit like The Fiend, may not appreciate or be a fan as much of the, the demon. I'm into it, but I'm not as obsessed with it as certain people are. And I'm sure you're going to touch on this. When he's there going, <laughs> and McAfee's going, he's got a black tongue. <laughs> I'm not like, ooh. I'm just like, oh, okay. And them saying like, oh, here he is. And look at him. Now he's taking his kilt off. That was like, again, McAfee had like started a sentence. He didn't know how to finish, didn't he? Because he, like, even the line, he's taking his kilt off, is not that impressive. No. But he'd gone in. He does that, like, McAfee does this thing, doesn't he, where like, Roman could be doing something. And McAfee does like, what Roman's saying is blah, blah, blah. Like, and he goes off for like 10 minutes about what Roman was saying with that 
armbar. So he's done it again. He's like, like the demon preparing to take on the world by taking off. It's killed. <laughs> it's like you've built up too much. A man taking off his entrance gear. Did say people from Ohio were assholes as well at one yeah. point. Um, but there was some really good stuff in there. It's an extreme rules match. The fans are crying out for stuff. Roman's just like, no table stuff today, lads. Mm. Puts it away. He pulls out a kendo stick. The demon pulls out uh, uh, some arts and craft project with multiple kendo <laughs> sticks and wins that battle. They brawl into the crowd. Roman Reigns, possibly shooting a little bit in IRL, puts on a face mask mm. to go and brawl in the crowd. Now, this is a man with a history of medical issues. So if that was... Medically advised, completely fine with it, but also really works in his character. I'm just Looked like, Ugh. so cool, didn't it? Looked so cool. They brawl up to the 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 kickoff show panel table area, and they do brawl on it. They don't just brawl around it and piss off somewhere else. Ballard jumps off it and puts uh, Roman through a table. Anyway, let's get to, towards the finish of the match um, because. Finn Balor hits the coup de grace. He's recovered in this match after, you know, being battered all over the place, left and right, by Roman Reigns. He's got the match won. One, two, bloody Usos. Pull him out of the ring. They try to beat him up. They try to put him through a table. He fights back. He drops one of them on the barricade. He power bombs another one through the announce table. And he turns around and gets speared through the uh, barricade by Roman Reigns. Both of the men are down. And then Finn Balor channels the demon fish out of water. <laughs> his music and his lights. I don't know why his music needed to play, but still. Mm. He flops about a bit. He recovers. He pops back <laughs> up. The flopping I could have taken or even him popping back up. Got a huge bap from me. He Bap. fires up, twats Roman with a chair, drop kicks him into a table. Brilliant bump, I mm. thought that. And he's setting up. Throws Roman Reigns into the ring. There's smoke. There's red light. Take it or leave it. There's his music playing for some bloody reason. It was all to, to get to this point. As he balances himself on the top rope. Looks like he's going to hit the finishing coup de grace. When out of nowhere, the top rope breaks. <laughs> oh, I, I know you're going to, you know, you're going to have your say on this. Regardless of how you feel about whether or not this finish was a good idea. No, dear, that's wrong. <laughs> Regardless of how you feel about it, that is a rough bump. Just stand on the top yeah. rope and wait for it to collapse and fall where where you are, basically. Awful. He's selling the leg. But he's selling the leg, turns around, spear, one, two, three. Roman Reigns has won. There's speculation in our comments from the live stream. Oh, was it Paul Heyman, you know, cutting the ropes? Was it The Fiend? Was it an act of God? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Roman Reigns can't believe what's happened. He's looking to the to the higher power, possibly even, uh, for saving him because he, he was out of it, basically. Regardless, he has retained the title. and He leaves as universal champion. No Brock Lesnar, none of that. And uh, I'm going to say, I'm just going to relax on the word that I used on the, on the uh, What Went Down review of this. A divisive finish, Michael Hamlet. Oh, you're not kidding. Where do we even start on this? Where to start? Do you know what? I'm going to start with a comparison you made that I've actually never thought about until this show, which is between the, uh, the Demon and the Fiend. 
they're different. They're really different. Um, but they weren't here because this version of WWE can only do one kind of this character. And it's not even, <clears throat> it's not that old a phenomenon. Go back as far as 2019 and Bobby Lashley and Andrade within weeks of each other at WrestleMania and I want to say Super Showdown, but it was in Saudi Arabia. It was relatively meaningless. Intercontinental title match against Andrade mm-hmm. as the demon. He worked those matches as the demon and it was all a bit, um, like he was trying to bring the Budweiser adverts back. Mm. And he makes the noises in the match now as well. So when he sells, he goes like, like that. So you're hearing it a lot when he's being like punched or hauled over the coals or whatever it is. So that's like really annoying. And I've gone off tongue demon. He's not for me. He's a weird guy. But that need be all he is. But WWE can't book. Um, I could just end the sentence there, couldn't I? They can't, <laughs> they can't book these characters different ways. Finn Balor, the demon Finn Balor, is only compared to The Fiend because of the nonsense we saw tonight. Not because of every demon appearance in NXT or the man that beat Seth Rollins at SummerSlam 2016 or the man that qualified for that match two weeks earlier or even... Um, and I would say this to a slightly lesser extent, or even the man that appeared from nowhere to crush Baron Corbin a few SummerSlams ago. That was a man that told the world at various points, and I know it was never fully NXT canon, but it was as good as close enough, that he had to go to such a dark place that he, it physically hurt him to be this guy, but he got results. Like, he knew that it was this thing that he didn't wish he had to let out of the house, but when he did, it would go on and win. Because the argument then becomes why it's the demon every time. Yeah. So he, that is a key part of the story, that it's like, it chips away more than you realise. I, ca- I cannot do this all the time. It's no good for me. It's no good for my body, my family, my friends, etc. Um, That's what that character is. And it's a, when you think about it like that, it's a pretty awesome character. Yeah. You know, and it's never... They've never gone that deep with WWE, but they've tried it that way all the same. It's always It's always... A bit of a rare gift. So we get this for the first time in a couple of years, at least since he's like he turned heel and had mm-hmm. that run in XT and all that sort of stuff. Jesus Christ, I could not have been more bored with 90% of this match. The aforementioned dark place that Finn Balor went to is it a Wix or a B&Q or a home base? Because what did he get from his dark place? A funny weapon. <laughs> Suddenly the Finn comparison is apt. Because that four kendo sticks thing reminded me of Fiend, Fiendy's Big Hammer. You know? Yeah. Like, you're already delving into titting about territory. The demon. Dark place. Powers unknown to human beings. Goes under the ring to get a table. And might as well have stared at the fans like a Butlin's wrestler and gone, should I get him? <laughs> the demon. Roman was pretty good for bits of that. The cutoffs and that. I did enjoy that. Rest of this match was just that. It was just trading stuff. There needs to be a term that we come up with for these particular matches because I just cannot see. Maybe it'd be different if I was there live, but I kind of feel even that wouldn't be now. What are people watching that feels new? Other than other than I will give them this, that coup de gras and that Usos pull out because your eyes are sort of almost scanning the room a little bit for well, he's not good. He's not good. And then the Usos come and- in. I forgot to mention this on our What Went Down. 
that Finn Balor kick out when he hoyed Roman in the balls was amazing. Really great. It's such a cool spot that, like punching the punching the dick. Roman devising it in an act of sheer desperation against Jey Uso, I think it was. Uh, great, because absolutely everybody can share that desperation from time to time, and they should do. And it makes for tremendous drama in a Roman match because he's now the guy that it's a little bit synonymous with. So yeah. He's going to come back and haunt him again, and that sort of stuff's great. So I really have no significant issue with any of that. I just have significant issue with the useless booking of this character. Falling off the top rope is clown stuff. It's not Paul Heyman cutting a wire. Yeah, don't be silly. I wish it was. If they're not going to revisit this either, right? as much as I'm saying, oh, ropes what is are, it? Yeah, ropes, ropes just broke. Like, the ropes just broke. Um, if WWE have to make some sort of announcement, like we're unhappy with our riggers, you know, they're the people that set the ring up, didn't do a very good job. And that becomes this canonized explanation for why uh, your top baby face fell from the ropes as they collapsed under his weight and he was easily beaten by the champion. You know, you're in a worse state for having to need to explain that in the first place. Just don't book it. I thought the music thing looked rubbish. The fish out of water stuff, as you say, looked absurd. I don't think the match was any good. I cannot believe how lucky WWE are to have some of their live punters of which I one day want to be one again. But to get the, uh, to quote Mauro, holy bleep, to get the holy bleep from somebody going through a table and a barrier, like it doesn't happen on every single show. <laughs> like Pat McAfee said, oh my God, when that <laughs> happened. The OMG moment on the video games were exactly those things. You would walk around and then you would press triangle if OMG appeared. That is what is happening in a Roman Reigns main event at the moment. Walk around to the bit of the environment, wait for Pat to go, oh my God, and then press IRL triangle and put somebody through a thing while the animation plays. Just, we often talk about AEW guys having freedom of expression. This match was expressionless, featuring the most over-character in the company and a guy playing like a doink version of a gimmick people once loved. Yeah. I, I thought this was a lousy main event that just fell into a load of traps. The demon was crap. The finish was a piss take. Not in that way that I've got any passion for it, just in the, well, hope you don't like Finn. <laughs> that kind of way. Hope, hope the demon means nothing to you because they managed to erode that by the time we'd walked to the ring and I was grateful for it because I was sad at the prospect of losing the Fiend. Mm. They've taken that away from me with that. The character. demon, not the Fiend. Sorry, yeah. Like, I'm really, I've been up 24 hours, but like, they are obviously coming, drawing closer well, together than mine. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I loved the Demon in NXT. Loved it. I felt nothing from getting beat here. I'm not bothered that that streak's over anymore. Mm. This isn't like The Undertaker losing to Brock Lesnar. It's actually, quite fittingly, The Undertaker losing to Roman Reigns at 33. I fell on his ass on a tombstone because I just, it's a caricature. And um, I don't know. I don't need any more of this ever again. And don't think it's about Paul Heyman. Roman Reigns was instructed to look up. You know, the Lord has helped him defeat a demon, for example. You know, the divine intervention mm -hmm. of those of those ropes snapping, and then Brock says, "No divine intervention can help you because I will in F five God. I don't give a sh about his kids. <laughs> All that nonsense. Like this was this was lousy. This was like have standards. Expect better. Not you. I'm just saying to people. Oh, yeah. Just this is why I keep." lose my patience over it being a great time to be a wrestling fan because a demon 
fell <laughs> and apparently needs to be protected. Demon. Yeah. I wouldn't dress my kids up as Halloween as a demon anymore. He sucks. <laughs> it's weird, wasn't it? It's not a show I'm never going to go back and watch this, aside from... Two Irishmen on a post doing very different thing. things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, uh, let us know your thoughts on Extreme Rule. I'm not calling it rules. <laughs> Only one match. Uh, 2021 on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch there. You can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. At Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Uh, myself and Michael Sidgwick discussing the fallout from Extreme Rules and, of course, that WWE Championship match coming tonight on Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the Extreme Rules review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 